0: If you will, go ahead and start turning to Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1. Well, for those of you who normally watch our uh, sermons, you'll notice from Sunday we spent quite a bit of time talking about the nature of God's grace. And as we did that, we spent a lot of time in the book of Romans. And that really got me to thinking uh, really about the Gentiles who once knew God but had become haters of God. And really, as I read back through there, I realized just how similar to our society today the Gentiles were. Now, let me give you some interesting facts, and the majority of you will know that this is true by memory, but you can go back and look this up. Uh, In 2015, according to a Barna poll, more than 9 out of 10 adults, actually 92% of people, stated that Jesus Christ was a real person and that He actually lived. And you can go back and look at polls from decades and decades ago where you find a very high ratio of people who believe that Jesus Christ was a literal person, that He actually lived, and because of that they attended different types of congregations. I went back and began to look at some other polls, and it's interesting that in 1947 there was a Gallup poll, and it stated that after they had interviewed people, of people stated that they were attending a church weekly. Now, if you would go back and ask people about the United States at that time, what you will find from many people, and I'm talking about Christendom in general, people claiming to be Christians, no matter what religious group they went to. If you were to ask them about the United States, they would tell you that we were a Christian nation. And as a matter of fact, 75% of people were going to some type of a church On a weekly basis well as of 2020 a recent poll again done by the Barna group uh, states that today only 49 percent of people have actually attended a church within the last six months and you may say well 49 percent of people attending church that's not that bad well it actually gets worse because as you read the poll what you'll find out is yes 49 percent of people are attending uh, a church somewhere but of that 49 percent 32% of those people stated that they had to because either they were a spouse or a child or they were simply attending out of habit. It wasn't that they felt a real desire to go, but out of habit, it's something that they had started doing. So 49% of people are attending a church or have attended a church at least once in the last six months, but 32% of them either said they were being forced to go uh, or they simply were doing it out of habit. And so you may begin to ask yourself, How in the world is it that our nation, which was once described as a Christian nation, has gotten to the point where they apparently seem to now hate God? And you may say, well, I don't think many people would even really claim to hate God. Well, they they may not claim that, but their actions certainly would show it. And as we begin to think about that, we really can see the progression of how this happens as we begin to go back and look at Paul's description of the Gentiles. Again, go ahead and go over to Romans chapter 1. I'm actually going to read verses 19 through 32, so if you will follow along with me. And notice here, he says, "...because that which may be known of God is manifest in them, for God hath showed it unto them. For the invisible things of Him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even His eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse." Now, if you want some more information on some of this, you need to go back really and look at the... Uh, sermon that I preached on Sunday, because I did address some of these verses there, and we looked at them from a very different angle. But he goes on, talking about them, first starting in verse 22, "...professing themselves to be wise, they became fools, and changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made like to corruptible man, and to birds, and four-footed beasts, and creeping things. Wherefore God also gave them up to uncleanness through the lusts of their own hearts." and receiving in themselves that recompense of their error which was meet, And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient, being filled with all unrighteousness, fornication, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, debate, deceit, malignity, whisperers, backbiters, haters of God, despiteful, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, without understanding, covenant breakers, without natural affection, implacable, unmerciful, who knowing the judgment of God, that they which commit such things are worthy of death, not only do the same, but have pleasures in them that do them. I really find it sad that you could look at a group of people and at one point talk about how they know God or they knew God and then begin to continue to look at the digression that they have evolved into over time, the things that they've allowed themselves to be involved in, and you look at exactly how they are described, especially the activities they're described in. And guys, as we read Romans 1, 19 through 32, Think back to exactly how applicable the things were that he was saying. Now, we're going to go back and look at some of these passages again. But it's, it's just like Paul was writing that letter to the society that we live in today. Here's what we know as we look through the book of Romans. We know that the Gentiles had gone from knowing God at one time, Romans 1.21, to actually becoming haters of God, Romans 1.30. And so this left them in a position where they were lost. Uh, and certainly we know that's why they needed the gospel so badly. Uh, Paul was going from city to city, and he was preaching to the Gentiles. Also, we have examples of him preaching to the Jews. Man in general needed the gospel. But these Gentiles, they're described as people who were just involved in just sheer wickedness. <clears throat> and so they needed the gospel. Listen to Romans 1, 16 and 17. Again, in the same book that describes these Gentiles who are involved in this horrible Horrible sin. Paul says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Now he's not saying that one was more important than the other. It went to the Jews first, and then it went to the Gentiles or the Greeks. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith." But here's the thing, the Gentiles, they weren't living by faith, certainly not a faith in Christ. In the first century, what's really sad is is these Gentiles, and we see the things they're involved in, and, and don't get me wrong, there were Jews that were also involved in some of these things, but in the first century, these Gentiles, they're surrounded by faithful congregations in many of these communities, and yet they weren't faithful followers of Christ. Now let me pause for just a second and ask yourself, do we have that going on today? We have, in many communities, faithful churches of Christ. They adhere to nothing other than just our New Testament. They're surrounded by people who are lost, just like the Gentiles, and yet, they've not become faithful Christians. And guys, I have to admit, i mean, at one time, that was me. I was living in a community. There was a faithful congregation there. I'd never heard of it. I had never met any of them. I wasn't living as a faithful Christian. I was in the same lost condition that these Gentiles were." Now again, I want you to remember that based off the current polls today, only 17% of people have attended a church in the last six months because they actually wanted to. 17% of people. You go back to, prior to the 1950s, the poll I gave you, 75% of people were going to a church somewhere. And now you have 17% of people who state that they actually go to a church once every six months, that's not even weekly. We're we're required as Christians to go weekly, Acts 20, verse 7, and upon the first day of the week. They're not even going weekly, many of them. But in the last six months, only 17% have actually gone to a church because they desired to. Many people are becoming just like the Gentiles. The majority have come to hate God. And many of them would say, I I don't hate God certainly that's what their actions are showing us just like the gentiles it's sad because as we continue to read through the book of Romans we actually find three different times where it says god gave them up let me give you those three times go over to romans chapter 1 verse 24 and again as i'm reading through this just imagine to yourself if paul was here today and he wrote this letter to us and ask yourself are the things that he's saying are they applicable I mean, if we're involved in these things that Paul's writing about, about uh, God giving, giving them up, but if it's reference to us, I mean, would God be giving us up based on what Paul's writing? Romans 1.24, Wherefore God also gave them up to uncleanness through the lusts of their own hearts to dishonor their own bodies between themselves. All right. God literally gave them up because they are dishonoring their bodies due to lust. They're involved in lustful sins with other people, and he, he literally gave them up because of these sinful lusts. Ask yourself, I mean, does that describe the people around us today? This may even describe some people who are Christians. Well, certainly this is taking place. It is nothing unusual for us to hear about people who are... I don't like really like to use these words, but I will. I mean, there are people today who are out having... They're involved in fornication. They're involved in premarital relations, intimate relations, before they are married. They're not in a covenant relationship with a spouse according to God's will. Genesis 2.24 by memory, Matthew 19, 1 through 9. (coughs) Marriage is the only union that would allow people to have intimate relations and yet it is so common today in our world to see people involved in these types of sinful lusts. They literally are doing what we find here They're dishonoring their own bodies between themselves. It's not just those people who are involved in uh, premarital relations. You have people who are involved in things like adultery. Again, Matthew 19.9, Matthew 5.32. Certainly that is dishonoring your body with somebody else, somebody who's not your spouse. Do we have that stuff going on today? Absolutely we do. If God gave up the Gentiles, what would make you think He wouldn't give up people today for being involved in the exact same thing? Of course He will. Let me give you the second passage where God gave them up. Romans 1, 26-27. As you listen to this, tell me, does this sound like society today? For this cause God gave them up unto vile affections, for even their women did change the natural use into that which is against nature. We're talking about female to female homosexual acts. He goes on, verse 27, and likewise also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman burned in their lust one toward another. Men with men working that which is unseemly and receiving in themselves that recompense of their heir which was meat. He's clearly talked about women involved in homosexual acts. Now he's talking about men involved in homosexual acts. And let me get this out of the way. I hear a lot of people say, well, you know what? Paul, Paul really was, um, you know, he was, he, he was prejudiced, he was a bigot, whatever. Uh, he didn't teach the same gospel as Jesus. Yes, he did. Go back and look at Matthew 19, 1 through 9. Look up Genesis 2, 24. The only marriage that is ordained of God is between a man and a woman. For this reason shall he leave his father and mother and shall cleave to his wife. By memory, it's Matthew 19, 3. I can quote it. Uh, Go back and read Matthew 19, 1 through 9. And he's quoting literally from Genesis 2, 24. Jesus didn't have to call out female, female homosexuals and male, male homosexuals because he had already stated the only people who can get married and have this covenant relationship is a husband and a wife. And these Gentiles were involved in what we see that is so common today. We see it being shoved down our throats today. It is on media. Of all forms, whether it's print or whether it's on TV, we see it being shoved down our throats on TV shows. Guys, they are even putting this in our children's cartoons, and they're acting like this is normal. Guys, if God gave up the Gentiles for being involved in this, what makes you think for a second He's not going to give up Christians or the people today, whether they call themselves Christians or not, who are involved in these same types of acts? Well, of course He will. Let me give you the third one, Romans 1.28. And even as they did not like to retain God and their knowledge, they didn't like the idea of a moral being who was a a creator of of man and therefore had right to also dictate moral law. He says, uh, God gave them up, God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient. All right, so God gives these people up because they have a reprobate mind. You may say, what exactly does reprobate mean? Well, if you go back and look up the Greek word here, what you're going to find is, is the word reprobate actually could be translated as they have an unapproved mind. Their mind was thinking about and they were allowing their mind to guide them into unapproved activities and therefore they were unapproved by God Himself. Just like those who were dishonoring their bodies with other people, just like those who were involved in homosexual acts, here you have people who are they have a completely unapproved mind. They're involved in unapproved activities and therefore they are unapproved of God. And he simply gave them up. And guys, today this could describe the non-Christian, but this could also describe the Christian who's involved in things that he ought not to be. Here's the point. The Gentiles had descended from once knowing God to being involved in complete and utter wickedness to the point where God literally gave them up. And as we go back and we look at the gradual process of this departure, we see the exact same thing taking place today. So let's go back and look at the departure of the Gentile who once knew God but then hated God and begin to look at this departure and ask ourselves, do we have the same thing going on today? Remember, the United States used to be described as a Christian nation. Now, I have, a, I have a lot of problems with the way it was described and the percentage of people who claim to be Christians who actually are Christians. But in general, the United States was described as a Christian nation. Has this progression, just like the Gentiles, taken place? Well, let's notice for, first. First thing, Gentiles, they stopped glorifying God. I mean, they literally did not glorify God when they knew Him. Listen to Romans 121 because that when they knew God, they glorified Him not as God. Neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. Most people don't glorify God today, certainly not for the things that they have around them, certainly not for the blessings that they have in their life. And you may be asking yourself, well, maybe I'm a little confused. I mean, what do you exactly mean when you say glorifying God? Well... We glorify God in a number of ways, certainly of which these Gentiles were not doing and also certainly of which many people today are not doing. We glorify God with our words. Listen to Romans 15, 6. That ye may with one mind and one mouth glorify God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Our words ought to be glorifying God at all times. Our words ought to be pointing other people to the fact that we are Christians right we're different than the world we don't act like the world we don't talk like the world we would be glorifying God through all of our speech and specifically giving him all the praise and honor and glory when you begin to think about Sunday when we gather together we certainly do that in our worship we glorify him through our singing through our prayer through our teaching and through our preaching we do it through our edification guys this doesn't describe the world around us Matter of fact, you begin to think about the world around us. Begin to think about the last movie you watched or the last TV show you watched. Begin to think about the words that they use. The majority of people who are around us have mouths that are filled with just hate and profanity. And certainly they're not glorifying God. Now we as Christians can even at times find that our words are not wholesome and we are not glorifying God with our words. And when that happens, we need to repent of that, turn from it, and get back on the straight and narrow again, Matthew 7, 13 and 14 and we need to be glorifying God with our words. That's not the only way that we glorify God. We glorify God through our deeds. Now certainly the Gentiles weren't glorifying God through their deeds. We've already gone back and looked at the fact they were dishonoring their bodies with other people in lustful ways. So we've got people having sexual relationships with people who are not their spouses. We've got people involved in homosexuality. Uh, we've got them involved in, with having reprobate minds. And that was causing them to be involved in deeds that they ought not to be involved in. But the Christian, he glorifies with his deeds. Listen to Matthew 5, 16. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works, again, your deeds. We're not talking about trying to work our way to heaven. That word there, again, we looked at it. uh, Ergos means deeds. And glorify your Father which is in heaven. What's he saying? You can't be out sinning. You're not glorifying God through your deeds if you're out involved in sin. The Gentiles were involved in sin. And let's make it pretty clear, the majority of people around us are involved in these types of sins. The same ones we find the Gentiles involved in. Right? How do we glorify God in our deeds? We do it in a number of ways. Right? We do it in our personal life, the way that we, we treat each other, the way that we treat our spouses, uh, the ways that we interact with people. We especially see it uh, when we gather together for worship. We can look at some of the deeds that would glorify God, our assembling with the saints, the Lord's Supper, uh, the weekly giving of our contribution, uh, again, through edification. The point is simply this, we're faithful. We're faithful in our personal lives, but we're also faithful in our worship, right? We glorify God by living a pure life. Now, again, do you think the majority of the world out there is living a pure life? They're out getting drunk, involved in sexual sin, stealing, lying, Guys, we live in a society right now where just in general it's a madhouse. People are constantly involved in things that are horrendous and sinful. This doesn't sound like the world around us. They are not glorifying God with their deeds. Listen to 1 Corinthians 6.20. Why do we glorify God with our deeds? For ye are bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit which are God's. When I became a Christian, this body became an instrument or a tool to be used on God's behalf. And because this is His tool to be used on His behalf, I need to honor God because He bought this this with a price. He shed His blood on the cross. And I have to remember that when I go to work and when I come home and the way that we treat and interact with people. People around us, they're involved in all types of sexual sins and violence. Guys, people aren't glorifying God with their bodies. And you have a lot of people today who say, yeah, you're right, I'm not. I'm I'm not glorifying God with my body. I'm involved in an awful lot of things, you know, but I'm still young. I'm still young and, you know, I'll straighten myself out when I get a little older in life, when I've had a good time and I've really, I've spread my wild oats or I've enjoyed my fun, but then I'll, I'll straighten my life up. But here's the thing, you need to glorify God now. You're not promised tomorrow. I'm not promised tomorrow. Every night when you go to bed, you ought to be thinking about, am I in a righteous relationship with God? Is there any sin that's separating between me and God at this point? Because I don't want to die in a state where there is sin separating between me and God. All sins need to be repented of, and we need to turn from them and be faithful. I need to glorify Him right now. Listen to Hebrews 2 verses 1 through 3. Therefore we ought to give the more earnest heed to the things which we have heard, lest at any time we should let them slip. Ask yourself, are you glorifying God right now if you're a Christian, or have you let those things slip? Have you let what you're supposed to be doing slip? For if the word spoken by angels was steadfast, and every transgression and disobedience received a just recompense of reward, how shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation, which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord, and was confirmed unto us by them that heard Him. You've got people who are neglecting salvation. The Gentiles were. They were involved in all types of wickedness and sin. And the majority of people around us are involved in horrendous wickedness and sin. They are are neglecting their salvation. They're not glorifying Him now. And they're not guaranteed tomorrow. Listen to Hebrews 3, verses 7 through 13. Wherefore... As the Holy Ghost saith, today, if you will hear His voice, hearten not your hearts as in the provocation, in the day of temptation in the wilderness, when your fathers tempted me, proved me, and saw my works forty years. Wherefore, I was grieved with that generation. Let me pause. Do you think He's grieved with our generation Do you think he was grieved with the generation there in the first century, the Gentiles involved in wickedness and sexual sin, when he gave them up? Three times it says he gave them up. Do you think he was grieved with that generation? Just as much as he's grieved with our generation. It goes on and said, They do always err in their heart, and they have not known my ways. Let me pause. How many people they don't know his ways? The Gentiles didn't know His ways. They were involved in complete wickedness and sin. And you've got people today who don't know His ways. It's the same thing. Verse 11. So I swear in my wrath, they shall not enter into my rest. Do you want to enter into His rest? Do you want to go to the heavenly realm? Do you want peace within the the kingdom that's here on earth today, the church? You can't be involved in these things and enter into His rest. Take heed, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God." I pray. Let me pause again. Let me, I pray for every Christian. That is one of the biggest concerns they have in life. Have I, have I started to depart from the living God? Because here's the sad thing, guys, and most of you know it. Most people don't realize when they're departing from their living God. They just don't see it even taking place. Right? We see it here. I look and I wonder, how come so and so is not sitting in their seat today? How come they haven't been sitting in their seat for a month? How come they've not been here in a year? How come they've been gone for two years and they've departed from the living God and they don't even know it? And, guys, it is happening all the time. It's not just happening to individuals in the pews. It's happening to entire congregations. They're becoming just like the Gentiles. They once knew God, but now they're haters of God. And they would say, No, I don't, I don't hate God. And they'd say, Well, your actions don't look, they don't look like you love God. He goes on, but exhort one another daily. That's hard to do when you're not in contact with other Christians on a regular basis. And it's certainly hard to do when you're not showing up to worship on a regular basis on the first day of the week. Acts 20, verse 7. But exhort one another daily while it is called today lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin." Now notice, he starts off by saying, if you will hear his voice. How many people today, they don't want to hear his voice? The Gentiles didn't want to hear his voice. You got Christians today who don't want to hear his voice. His voice has been recorded for us in our inspired scriptures and people don't, they don't read it and they don't want anything to do with it. Or they do read it and they say, yeah, but I I don't even know if I really believe that part. Or. I don't even think that it's even applicable today. You start talking about homosexuality and people are going to say, "Guy, that Bible's not applicable anymore. I mean, that, that was for the first century people. Guys, he was calling them out in the first century. It was as applicable then as it is today. And many people, they won't hear his voice, and they won't because they've been hardened by sin, just as we find here in Hebrews 3, 7 through 13. Guys, that's why we go out and we preach and we teach the Word. Some have never heard it, but some have heard it. They've been deceived and they've gone on to other things. Listen to 2 Timothy 4 verses 1 through 5. I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead, the quick meaning the living, right? Living people are quick, dead people are slow. Who shall judge the quick and the dead at His appearing in His kingdom? What's he saying? All people are going to be judged at the same time. I had somebody asking me about premillennialism. They were talking about multiple raptures. No, when He comes back, He's going to judge all the living and all the dead. That is everybody. That's both the faithful and the unfaithful. He sums it up. The living and the dead. That's who's going to be at the judgment. There's no such thing as premillennialism. That is completely false. You didn't find that being taught in the United States primarily until the early 1800s when some gentlemen from the UK came over. Uh, They began to teach it. Their teachings actually now uh, uh, and what they started actually is being taught and has grown up into what we call now... I'm going by memory, the Dallas Theological Seminary, but you didn't have that till the early 1800s. He goes on, preach the word, be instant in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. Why? For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lusts. Remember how he talked about the Gentiles; they once knew God, but they begin to get involved in things because of their own lusts. He says the same thing here. But after their own lusts shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears, and they shall turn away their ears from the truth, and shall be turned unto fables. But watch thou in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, make full proof of thy ministry. A lot of people don't like maybe the way that I address certain topics. right? A lot of people may not, they may think that I'm too hard on certain things. They may think that I'm too blunt on certain things. I am to do the work of an evangelist, and I am to make full proof of my ministry. It may not be large, but it needs to be impactful for every single person that is going to hear the Word of God come out of my mouth. Why? Because he makes it clear that there are people who are not going to endure sound doctrine. They're going to heap to themselves teachers with itch- itching ears, and they're going to be turned away from the truth. So they need to have f- sound, faithful evangelists ministers who will proclaim just the Gospel. Why? So we don't become like the Gentiles. So we don't become people who once knew God, but now hate God. And it's happening. It's happening nonstop. You can see the progression taking place. What the Gentiles did is exactly what is taking place in the world today. Notice the next step. They turn to human wisdom. Human wisdom turns to vain speculation for just spiritual answers. What I mean is, is people are looking for answers to spiritual questions, but then they're relying on man's ideas of what those answers are or what they should be based on. What does human wisdom lead to? It leads to things like atheism. I'm looking for a spiritual answer, but I don't want to base it on God's spiritual Word, His inspired Word, and so I sit down and I begin to contemplate, you know, I mean, how did this world get here? I mean, the idea of a God creating it, that's hard to understand or even comprehend. So let's pretend that it happened from a big bang. You know, something smaller than a period on a page was spinning and it exploded and we have everything. Guys, that's still being taught in textbooks somewhere. Here's the interesting thing. We know that when something is spinning and explode, all the parts come off spinning in the same direction. But we have planets that spin in opposite directions. Answer that. There's a whole host of other problems that they can't answer, but man's wisdom has come up with things like this, right? I don't believe there's a God. I'm an atheist, and so I'm going to come up with answers answers to spiritual questions that don't involve God, right? That's how we got to what we have today, humanism. It's in our schools. It's corrupting our children. It's in our higher educational systems of learning. It's corrupting our young adults. And then many people say, "Well, I just don't know. Maybe there is such thing as a God, but I'm not sure. So now you've got athe- or you've got agnosticism, right? You've got atheism. I don't believe in God at all. You've got atheism. I-, I just don't know. But then there's another departure based on man's wisdom, and that's departures of New Testament Christianity into denominationalism, or community churches that are teaching things simply based on man's human wisdom. What I mean is is they teach it, but they can't back it up with book, chapter and verse. They talk about the sinner's prayer, but you won't find it anywhere in your scriptures. They say that baptism is an outward sign of inward grace, but you can't find that in your Bible anywhere. They teach that it's okay to just take the Lord's Supper once a month or once every six months or, or yearly, but that's not what we find in our scriptures in Acts 20, verse 7. And I can continue to just throw stuff out there. What do we have? We have groups who have evolved based on man's wisdom. They've come up with their own ways of doing things. Listen to Romans 1, 21 through 23 as we get back to the Gentile because that when they knew God, they glorified Him not as God. Neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. I've seen a lot of guys with PhDs who were complete fools. Had no idea about the Scriptures, but they thought they were just so smart regarding everything pertaining to the Bible. Right? Verse 23, And they changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made like to corruptible man into birds and four-footed beasts and creeping things. You had guys that literally got into idolatry and were making their gods uh, in images like man and birds and things like that. Do we have that kind of nonsense going on today? I mean, do we have people who are using human wisdom to try to answer spiritual questions all the time? We are surrounded by it. Why is it a problem? Well, part of the reason that it's a problem is because human wisdom lacks any power to save somebody's soul. Listen to 1 Corinthians one twenty-one: For after that, in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. The exact same thing. I am so smart, I've gotten to the point where I don't even acknowledge God anymore. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. Right? You had people who thought they were so smart that they don't even acknowledge God anymore. But he says, guess what? It's through the foolishness of preaching that people are going to be saved. People think I'm foolish, I'm sure, because I come up here and I, I'm steadfast in what the Bible teaches. And they think, man, he's just not educated. Just not educated. I'm educated then more than a lot of people who think they're uh, so smart. But I'll tell you what, I know people who've never gone past high school who are much more educated than people who have PhDs. And all of their experience and wisdom and knowledge comes from an understanding of the Scriptures. You can't obey truth when people are out preaching human wisdom, right? You can't obey truth when a guy's got a Baptist manual and he's teaching you out of the Baptist manual. If you want to learn truth, you learn it out of just the Scriptures, right? You want to become a New Testament Christian, you learn it out of the Bible, right? The seed is the Word of God... um, and it only produces Christians. You can't, you can't create Christians out of the Baptist man. You can't teach truth out of that. Not, not whole truth. You can't teach truth out of things like the catechism, right? You want complete truth, you just need your scriptures. Listen to Romans 1 16 and 17 again. We've already looked at this once. Paul says, and I'm pointing this out because he didn't base anything on human wisdom. He says, for I am not ashamed of the Gospel of Christ. I have, let me pause for a minute. I have to assume the Baptist is ashamed of the Gospel of Christ because they're out using their Baptist manual. I have to assume the Catholics are ashamed of the Gospel of Christ because they're using their catechism. And I have to assume every other religious group who's got a confessional of their own book, I have to assume that they're ashamed of the Gospel of Christ because they've come up with their own teachings. Why would you come up with additional teachings? I would have to assume that you're ashamed of the Gospel of Christ. I don't teach anything that's not found in here. Because like Paul, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Why? What's it do? He goes on, For it's the power of God unto salvation. The Baptist manual is not the power of God to salvation. The catechism is not the power of God to salvation. No other religious book or document out there is the power of God unto salvation. Just the holy scriptures. The Gentiles, they weren't following it. Many of them were lost. The people around us today, not following it. They're lost. To the Jew first and also to the Greek. It's for everybody. For therein, where? The gospel of Christ. Is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, as it is is written, the just shall live by faith. Man's wisdom may seem relevant today, and it may even seem applicable to the world around us uh, for the problems that maybe seem to be so prevalent. There's no saving eternal value in man's wisdom today. You know how I know that? Because every month there's a new bestseller out there for these self-help books and guess what it doesn't solve the problem on a spiritual level for people and so there's another self-help book but guess what guys there's only one gospel of christ and that gospel never needs to be changed it can never be changed and only it is the power of god unto salvation if the gentiles aren't going to accept it and they're going to continue to be in their sin they're going to be lost people today surrounding us and even christians if they begin to depart from the Scriptures, from the Gospel, they're going to be lost. Listen to 1 Corinthians one twenty-five. Because the foolishness of God is wiser than men. Yeah, you may, say it's, you may say this is complete and utter rubbish and foolishness, but I'll tell you what, the Scripture says it's wiser than men, and it is. And the weakness of God is stronger than men. You ever had people tell you that you're weak, that you use your faith as a crutch? For anybody who believes that or who has heard that, let me tell you this. I've lived, I've lived a life where I did whatever I wanted to do, whenever I wanted to do. That's not hard. But you live as a faithful Christian and you live by the New Testament. And you tell me who's got a crutch. It's not the Christian. It's the people out in the world around us. Human wisdom's never produce salvation. Again, you got people. Human wisdom. You can be saved by the sinner's prayer. You can be saved by grace only, through faith only. Again, you won't find either of those in the Bible. But man's wisdom uh, has never, ever produced salvation. Let's go back to Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. We focused on this verse last Sunday during the sermon. For by grace are ye saved through the faith, the system of faith, through the New Testament, and that not of yourselves. right? It is the gift of God. The faith, the system of faith, that is not human wisdom. There is no way that men wrote this based on just human wisdom. There is no contradictions in here anywhere. Are there some things I have a hard time grasping? Yes. Do they contradict? No. None of the examples I have found where people say there are contradictions do they can contradict. There are a few things that I'm still a little unsettled about, but the problem's not with the Scriptures. The problem is with my understanding. And there are some things that will never be revealed before we leave this earth. He goes on. It's the gift of God... Right this grace not of works lest any man should boast. There's no human wisdom in our system of faith we live by. Listen to Ephesians 3:10 and 11. To the intent that now under the principalities and powers in heavenly places might be known by the church the manifold wisdom of God. That's not man's human wisdom. That's the wisdom of God. That's what's been revealed to us, verse 11, according to the eternal purpose which he purposed in Christ Jesus Our Lord. It wasn't an accident. From the very beginning, He knew exactly how this was going to play out. Listen to 2 Timothy 1.9. Who hath saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to His own purpose. Let me pause again. What is His own purpose? Well, you will find that revealed in our Scriptures, in our Old Testament, our inspired Old Testament, and our inspired... New Testament. That is His own purpose. It goes on, and grace, His purpose tells us how to receive this grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus. There is no grace through any other religious system other than New Testament Christianity. I'm talking about being a faithful servant of Christ within, as far as I know, the only group, the churches of Christ. Everyone else, has, they're teaching men's doctrines. He goes on, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began. This whole thing was known from the very beginning how it was going to play out again. you got people teaching Jesus didn't know He was going to die, and therefore the kingdom is an afterthought. No, none of that's true. Let's look at the next step for the Gentiles, which we find taking place today. They begin to substitute vain worship. You know, there are a lot of people who simply don't want to worship as God has instructed us to worship. And human wisdom has tried to improve upon this. They've tried to incorporate other forms of worship, adding to worship. And guys, none of this is new. This was actually happening during the times of Jesus. Listen to Mark 7, 6 through 8. He, Jesus, He answered and said unto them, Well hath Isaiah prophesied of you hypocrites, As it is written, the people honoreth me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. Let me pause. You can go down to a lot of churches and you'll hear them honoring Jesus with their lips, but their hearts are far from Him. Some of them don't even know it, but their their hearts are far from Him. And here's what we learn as we continue to go on. How be it in vain they do worship me, teaching for doctrines the commandments of men. You name any denominational group out there, they're teaching the doctrines of men. It's vain worship. You look at religious groups out there that are worshiping uh, in unscriptural practices. It's vain worship. He goes on, For laying aside the commandment of God... Where's the commandment of God? You want to know how to worship? Look at the commandments of God. He tells us exactly how to worship. For laying aside the commandment of God, ye hold the tradition of men, as the washing of pots and cups and many other... Such like things you do. The Jews they were following many commandments of men, but they weren't following God's will. The Gentiles certainly weren't following God's will. They're involved in all different types of vain worship. We'll we'll notice a little bit more here. Uh, and the groups around us today—they're doing the exact same thing. Now, what's so bad about vain worship? An A lot of things we could list about vain worship. Maybe we could break it down. What does vain worship do? Well, it neglects God. We know that it really is aimed at exalting self. It rejects God ultimately as the true object of worship. And think of it this way. Many people, they're not going in worshiping really trying to truly satisfy God. What they're doing is is they're trying to truly satisfy themselves in the way that they worship. That's why there's been a progression. Actually, I should say a digression in the way that people have worshiped. Worship's getting crazier and crazier all the time. Why? People weren't content with what they had. I think Brother Elkins used to say it best. He'd say, you know, uh, if it takes a dog and pony show to get them into the building, it's probably going to take bigger tricks like elephants to keep them. And that's true. Just look at worship around us. It's gotten to be crazy anymore. So people are simply trying to... they're really trying to satisfy themselves or they're trying to satisfy what they think is acceptable or should be acceptable. And the, the lost Gentiles, they weren't any different. They weren't any different at all. You know, man tends to think more of God's own creation than, than God Himself. And sometimes that's speaking directly about those who oppose God. I'm talking about the people themselves. Listen to Romans 1.25. I'm talking about the Gentile here. "...who changed the truth of God into a lie and worshiped and served the creature actually that word there, you can look at it and translate it as the creation, and serve the creation, the things created by God, more than the Creator, who is blessed forever. Amen." Well, you say, "Well, which creatures are they actually serving? Well, it could be a couple of different answers. One, and this is probably often the case, it's themselves. They're serving themselves. They're serving their own wants. They're serving their own desires instead of what God wanted or what God desires. Guys, this is even seen by Christians. How many of you guys have ever seen Christians who are criticizing the church, the makeup of the church, the worship of the church, the teachings of the church, criticizing brethren, criticizing that which is good, and yet you don't find them out criticizing that which is is unholy found in human institutions. I've known tons of Christians who are completely unfaithful and tolerant of many of the sinful things taking place today, Let me throw one out there. Uh, How about abortion, right? You hear things, something like this, maybe from a Christian. Oh, it's, yeah, you certainly, I I mean, I would never do it, but, you know, I I mean, I can understand when a woman gets placed into that situation where it, it might be needful for her to have an abortion. I mean, I can kind of sympathize with her. Let me put it in some different words for you. So you sympathize with somebody who's going to murder their child. I've heard Christians actually say that. You sympathize with someone who's going to murder their child. There's a lot of other ways that Christians become unfaithful uh, and, and really are serving themselves rather than God. But it's not just, it's not just Christians, and it's not just in that manner. Uh, man today in general is no different than the Gentile. They are oftentimes serving the creation more than the Creator. And I want you to think about the world that we live in, because the world that we live in really right now has a, a huge emphasis or preface on worshiping creation or nature itself. We see it taking place in a number of different types of paganistic uh, religions, but spiritualism in general is really focused oftentimes just on nature. That's really what we find even taking place with the New Age movement. I wish I could spend some time talking about that, that horrendous movement which is taking place, which is really Christianity mixed with paganism, mixed with Oriental mysticism, <clears throat> and it's not found in just one religious group. You'll find it in virtually every religious group that is out there, uh, specifically within Christianity, but you'll find it within some other groups also. So that was the next step. They substituted vain worship. Now let's finish up really with the big one. I'm going to go back and read Romans 1:26 26 26-32, because there's so much here, I really don't want to break it down any more than just reading the passage. Uh, here's the next step. They approved immorality simply as a way of life. Now, as I read back through this again, and we've already looked at some of this, but ask yourself, does this describe the people around me? I mean, it certainly describes the Gentiles. That's what Paul's talking about. But does it describe the people around us? And then ask yourself this, does it describe anybody within the church I know? And then really ask yourself and reflect, do any of these things reflect me? Do they reflect me as a Christian? Let's notice how they approved immorality as a way of life. Romans 1, 26-32. For this cause God gave them up unto vile affections, for even their women did change the natural use into that which is against nature. Alright, female to female homosexuality. And likewise also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lust one toward another, men with men working that which is unseemly, and receiving in themselves that recompense of their error which was me. Male, male, homosexuality. Sound like our world today? Let's keep going. Verse 28, And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, sounds like people today, God gave them over to a reprobate mind, an unapproved mind, to do those things which are not convenient. Being filled with all unrighteousness, well, what kind of things are those? We know that the Gentiles are doing the things that I'm going to mention, but do we see them in the world around us? Do we see them within the church? Are you yourself involved in them? He goes on. Being filled with all unrighteousness, fornication, right? Uh, people having intimate relations with people to whom they are not married, wickedness. We have people, we have wickedness going on around us. Turn, turn, turn the news on. Turn the news on. Just complete and utter wickedness. Whisper, he says, wickedness, covetousness. You know any covetous people? People out stealing. People out cheating, defrauding people. Maliciousness. You know anybody who's malicious? He goes on, full of envy, murder. Do we have that happening? Debate, deceit. You know anybody out deceiving people? Malignity, whisperers, backbiters. You know anybody that ever talks behind your back? Haters of God. You know anybody that hates God? Atheists despiteful, proud, know any proud people who are not humble, boasters, inventors of evil things. Yeah, you know, the, the, the last drug I was taking was really good, but it wasn't quite enough, so let's see if we can make one that's more potent. Let's see if we can find something that's just a little more sick than the sin that I was currently involved in, right? Inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, we have that going on. Got any, any youth that are disobedient to their parents? Without understanding... That's happening all the time, especially regarding spiritual things. Covenant breakers. You ever know anybody broke a covenant? Well, anybody you know who's in an unscriptural marriage or has an unscriptural divorce, they're a covenant breaker. That's just one, one type of covenant. Without natural affection, implacable, unmerciful. You ever known people who are unmerciful? Who, knowing the judgment of God that they which commit such things are worthy of death. They know what they are doing is wrong, and they know they will be held accountable for it. They not only do the same, but they have pleasure in them that do them. You ever heard people say, well, misery loves, misery loves company? Yeah. People involved in wicked sin love company. Right? Even though they know they're not supposed to do it, uh, they love to see people getting involved in this type of stuff with them. Guys, disrespect for spiritual laws leads to disrespect for morality in general. I don't know a different way to say it than that. When people are not going to respect the laws given to us by inspiration, it leads to a disrespect for morality in all regards, like things like abortion and fornication uh, for the unmarried, like homosexuality. Whatever it is that you might be able to to think about as far as a sin in our Bible, that comes from people who have no respect for uh, the laws that God has given us by inspiration. The Gentiles didn't. majority of people today don't, and even some Christians will not. People who don't believe in God or who don't follow His Word, they're involved in all different types of sins. Again, fornication and adultery. It's no wonder why we have so many abortions. and. Here's what we really find taking place when you think about many of the hateful, wicked acts that take place around us. People, because they don't understand God's will for mankind and they don't see the value in a man's soul, they can treat people in a horrendous fashion. And guys, let me give you an example. Turn on the TV tonight and watch the riots taking place and watch people being beat down, hurt, killed, house is set on fire and how does all that stuff come come to take place well people have no respect for the laws of God and therefore they have no respect for the things they do or the people who are around them and as I say that don't let this be of a shock to anybody because guys if people have people have disrespect for moral laws um, and let me just people disrespect morality in general But it shouldn't surprise you because if people won't obey even the civil laws that are given to us, and again, think about the riots taking place around us. We can peacefully assemble as United States citizens, but rioting is not allowed. And if people are not going to follow the civil laws given by man, what makes you think they would follow the God-ordained laws given to us by the inspiration of the Scriptures? The Gentiles, many of them would not. The people surrounding us today, many of them will not, and even some within the church will not. Guys, the United States of America, and this is where I started, used to be described as a Christian nation, but the United States in general and man in general today is no different than the Gentiles who gave God up, uh, all because they went from knowing God to hating God. The United States used to be called a Christian nation. Now... I don't don't even know what to call it. I think they've gone from those who at one time at least claimed to know God really to being haters of God. So let me pause or bring it to a close by saying this. If you know God, are you glorifying, glorifying Him right now while you still have the chance? And if you're not glorifying Him as a Christian, you need to repent and turn. And if you're not glorifying Him because you're not yet a Christian, you need to become a Christian. You may say, how do I do that? Well, I think I may have gone a little long today, so let let me keep it very short. But I would urge you, please, get your Bible out. Spend some time. Don't just listen to somebody who says, say a sinner's prayer. Look at each of the conversion accounts. Look at what people did in our New Testament. Because the way people became Christians in the Bible is the same way people become Christians now. Somebody was out teaching them the Word. Romans 10, 17. So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the Word... Of God, actually the word there is Christ so you need to have somebody teach the word or you you need to start studying the word why well because you need to believe that Jesus Christ was the Son of God that he was the Messiah because if you will not you will die in your sins John eight twenty four. you have to believe Hebrews eleven six. you need to have an understanding about who Jesus was that he was the Messiah you need to have an understanding that he came to establish his church the one church the only church uh, that is in unity with all other churches that teach the same thing, Ephesians chapter 4. You need to have an understanding that He shed His blood for the remission of sins, Matthew 26, verse 28. And you need to know all of that so that you can enter into a covenant relationship with God. You do that starting out by repenting of your sins. Jesus says if you won't repent of your sins, uh, you're going to be damned. Luke 13, 3 and 5, He says, Nay, I tell you, but except you repent, you shall all likewise all likewise. Be damned. You've got to repent of your sins. And you need to confess Christ. Romans 10, 9 and 10. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, but with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. And you need to be immersed in water for the remission of sins. Jesus says you need to be immersed. Mark 16, 15 and 16. Peter told the Jews there on the day of Pentecost that it was for the remission of sins. It's not an outward sign of inward grace. It's for the remission of sins. Acts 2 verse 38. Uh, and when you do that, you'll be added to the church, the Lord's church, by the Lord Himself, Acts 2, verse 47. If you're watching this and you're not yet a Christian, I just rattled those off by memory. I hope I got them all right because I, I don't write any of these notes down. But certainly, if you've never heard that before, contact us. You can contact us on our website. Uh, you can call us. We will get back with you. If we're not close enough to sit down and have a Bible study with you, we'll get you in touch with a faithful congregation near you. But guys, we need to have a clear understanding of what it is to be faithful followers of God if we want to go to heaven. Again, I pray that this may have in some way uh, benefited you. But again, if there's any way we can help you, you can contact us.